When your space has the long-lasting, noticeable scent of Airwick Vibrant Scented Oils, you'll want to invite everyone over, from book club to the fantasy league, even the in-laws. It smells amazing. Airwick Vibrant Scented Oils are infused with two times more natural essential oils versus regular Airwick Scented Oils for our most authentic, nature-inspired fragrance experience. Hmm. Transform your space with scents like white sage and mahogany or lavender and water lily. Now that's a breath of fresh Airwick. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. It's Kevin Borba here with Sergio de Espria, and you are listening to the Tailgaters Podcast, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. Sergio, it's time to talk college football. There's been some beef in your neck of the woods, kind of your neck of the woods, I guess, um, in SEC country. Uh, <laughs> hey, Alabama's closest to Florida, I guess. Okay, I, here's the thing. You like you're like Bay Area adjacent. Like you're like a stone's throw from the Bay Area. So to you, anything that's like east of the Rockies is close to me. Which it's not. It's, it's quite a long drive to get to Alabama. Anything it's like it's like seven hours just to get out of Florida for me. So anything, that's how anything far south below I am. Massachusetts is in the south to me. Uh, <laughs> But we're going to dive into a few things that have been happening in the college football world these past few days. It's been interesting for a week where nothing was supposed to happen. Um, people start popping off on radio shows and some of the best players in the country are moving around. So let's dive in. Uh, starting with what I just spoke about, uh, people moving around the country. Jordan Addison, uh, last year's Bolitnikoff winner, committed to USC. Now, this was expected. Um, he was linked to USC before he even entered the portal, before his name was even in the portal. And we talked about this on our last episode. His coach said he was using the transfer portal wrong. Um, I'm just going to say his recruitment reminded me of Caleb Williams. This Williams' transfer portal recruitment because he entered the portal. We all knew it was USC, but Wisconsin all of a sudden became a contender. All of a sudden, like, oh, he might go to Wisconsin. And Texas was that for Jordan, for Jordan Addison. Um, the NCAA also modified NIL, which was like right after our episode, which is kind of crazy. Um, they're, they're going to have your welcome NCAA. Yeah. They, they, they listened to the episode. Shout out, uh, big, big fans. Um, they love us over here in the tailgaters nation. Um, but Sergio, what are your thoughts on Jordan Addison's transfer, the tampering, anything? Um, I don't really have an opinion. I know that's like not good. For a podcast, but <laughs> I don't really have an opinion because I, I expected this to happen. Mm. I feel like once um, Pat Narduzzi was like, "You can't be doing this," and like old man yells at the sky, um, the old the Simpsons meme. Um, I feel like it was a done deal. Like, it, and and that's the thing where uh, Addison kind of took a long time to make his decision, which good for him because I think he truly. Um, I don't think it's a case of like USC offered this and then he had to like fake his way to waiting to not make it look bad. No, I think he actually like took his he took his visits um, and he, he treated it like a normal recruitment. Now, sometimes the best offer is the first offer, which I believe USC was the first offer. Um, I feel like that's what enticed him to enter the portal and go elsewhere. Um, but like, let's be real. As much as I've been to Pittsburgh before, as much as a cool of a city as it is. It's the same thing with um, Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma to go out to California. Like L.A. is a pretty cool place to be if you have money, you know, Mm -hmm. and given the NIL stuff, Jordan Addison's going to have some money. 
Uh, I don't believe that it's in the three million dollar range or whatever the the thing was. That's I don't believe that. It's just like some, and, of, some of these some, numbers are just absolutely wild. <laughs> They're just. I feel numbers. like people are just throwing it out there. I, I feel like it's it's people with power that are, are not liking the situation of players having more agency and players actually being able to make money off of their name, image, and likeness. I feel like they're like, they're making $5 million when it's like, well, no, it's, it's more like maybe 120000 which in, in the grand scheme of things and relative to their worth to their institutions, to their universities, and to the brands of those institutions, they're probably under still underpaid. Like, let's be real. Um, so, yeah, I don't really have much of an opinion. Good for Addison for getting the money. Um, I, I do, you know, even though, like you said, that the NCAA announced some NIL restrictions and guidelines or whatever. Uh, I, it's still very vague. So I I just want something that's unified so we can all be on the same page, all be ha- have the same rules. Um, you can go back one episode in this feed to listen to Borba and I's proposals for uh, what we think would be best. Um, so if you are uh, someone with power in the NCAA or someone with power in Congress, um, even though, never mind, I'm not going to get to my political views, but if you're someone with power, go ahead and take a listen to that and see if you can make an impact. Um, yes. good for Addison. And I hope that, uh, Pittsburgh is able to get a good replacement for him. I have a follow-up question for you in regards to the transfer portal. If you're a school, yes. Would you rather, cause recruiting wise, when it's a high school recruit, you always want the last visit because a lot can happen. Say my, my, I'm taking recruiting visits all this week. I got one Monday, Wednesday, Friday. The one Friday is going to be fresh in my mind and I'm a high school kid. And honestly, you know, these kids are very impressionable. Um, you know, coaches put on the sweet talk too. Like, it's like, yeah, we love you. Like you're going to be great here, whatever. It's, it's a, it's a pitch. Of course, of course. But when it comes to transferring, transfers has left, they have less room to play with. So would you rather have the first visit for a transfer or the last visit? Because I, I feel like we've kind of seen some transfers wherever they visit first is, usually where they end up. Well, I I think that's where the tampering allegations come in, right? And I'm going to use the word allegations very specifically because I am not saying that there's tampering. No one hit the tailgaters with a libel suit, okay? Um, Don't do that. We're not saying that. I'm just saying that those those people who do scream of tampering, they're going to say that, yeah, of course, the, the first school that they visit because that's the school that contacted them and enticed them to enter the portal. But I still would like to have the last visit. If NCAA 14, or as I've been playing it the past year and a half, NCAA revamped, um, has taught me anything, it's that when you're recruiting, you want the last visit because you get the most recruiting points um, relative in the game. Those who know, know. And if you do know, you're my kind of people, and I love you. And thanks for (laughs) listening to the tailgaters. And you can also listen to Sideline Judgment, another college football podcast, at SJ underscore podcast on Twitter, um, and uh, Sideline Judgment, spelled with an E, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Enough of the plugs. Now, I still would like the last um, visit because, like you said, it's going to be fresh in the mind and stuff. Where this gets complicated is where the current rules stand for the transfer portal. I want to once again reiterate, my brothers and sisters in Christ, it is illogical to require these students to give up their scholarships in order to enter the portal because that is what happens. We've mentioned this on the podcast before. I've mentioned this on Twitter at S-D-E-L-A-E-S. I almost messed up my own Twitter, Twitter handle. Um, I've mentioned this on Sideline Judgment that I think it is it is wrong to have to force these kids to give up their scholarships to enter the portal. Per the current rules, per the current guidelines, 
You have to give up your scholarship in order to enter the portal and in order to talk to other institutions. I see nothing wrong with people being able to talk to other institutions before making their choice. If coaches can get up, have full-blown interviews and conversations while still being employed by uh, academic institution A, then I think that players should have the exact same ability to do that. Now, if you still don't want that to happen, then I think you need to require the coaches and everyone else working within that athletic department to not take anything until they give up their own certain job before. But let me tell you, that ain't going to happen. So I I still would like to answer your question again. I still would like the last visit. Um, I would like to be fresher in the mind. And you never know. Sometimes the last offer is the best offer. Sometimes the first offer is the best offer. Mm -hmm. Where I don't want to be is in the middle, though. If I can't get the last one, I'd like to be the first one, if that makes sense. I I agree with that. Um, I only ask this because uh, I've seen a few transfers where it's like first visit is where they go. But I've also seen recruits where, and especially with Alabama, which Alabama is hard to compare to anything. But when Nick Saban has that last visit, you might as well just whatever position you're looking for, just look elsewhere because Nick Saban's closing the deal. Uncle Nick, he knows what he's doing. Um, Well, well, is but, there something else that Nick Saban has been in the news for this week? <laughs> Uncle Nick has been in the news um, for his criticism of former staff member. Um, I say former staff member. It was a while back, like years ago. Um, Jimbo Fisher, who is the current head coach of Texas A&M. Um, Nick had a lot to say about how Jimbo brought in the number one overall recruiting class this past, or I guess for the 2022 class. Um, so I'm going to read you some quotes and we're going to react to this because it was this was like blowing up Twitter. Like it was, it was a random Tuesday. Um, here's what I think it was last Nick, Thursday. I think it was, it was a random Thursday. Um, you know what I was doing <laughs> on Thursdays, Sergio? I'm playing slow pitch softball over at Pedretti. Not that you know what Pedretti is, but meanwhile, no idea. I'm like, Nick Saban's putting people on blast out here. So let, let's see what he said. Um, so he was talking about recruiting and he singled out Texas A&M and said they bought their top ranked class. He says, I mean, we were second in recruiting last year. A&M was first. and then bought every player on their team, made a deal for name, image, and likeness. We didn't buy one player, all right? He said that, not me. But I don't know if we're going to be able to sustain that in the future because more and more people are doing it. It's tough. And so Saban said Alabama players made three, $3 million doing it the right way last year. And so basically, before we dive into all of this, I would like to preface this by, one, we don't know if Jimbo paid all these people. But even if he did, it's okay because the NCAA had no rules for anything. So it's not his fault for taking advantage of rules that weren't there. Two, Jimbo's response was very interesting. Um, he fired back at Nick Saban saying, some people think they're God. Go dig into God, how God did his deal. You'll, you may find out a lot about this guy. A lot of things that you don't want to know. We build him up to be the czar of football. Go dig into his past. And so, Sergio, break down this mess for us. Who right. who do you agree with? Who Who's right? Who's wrong? Oh, Nick Saban also took a shot at Deion Sanders and Jackson State's recruitment of Travis Hunter, the number one overall recruit, saying that they paid him $3 million to go there. And Travis Hunter tweeted in response, if I have that much money, why is my mom still living in a one-bedroom apartment with multiple kids? And so that it did not go over well, Uncle Nick's views on NIL and recruitment. So what do you think? Okay. All right. If you if you're standing up, take a seat. If you have a drink in your hand, good. Take a sip. Have a coffee. Drink some water. Strap in. We're gonna be here for a bit. Okay. Mm. 
Borba, question number one. In order for me to answer this question, I have to ask you a question. Okay. Who was Nick Saban talking to in that in that room where he said those comments? Let me see. He was. I know he was sitting with the basketball coach. I think was uh-huh. it right, right. But who were they talking to? They were talking about Alabama supporters, I believe. Alabama uh, supporters, yes. Mm-hmm. Alabama, also known as boosters. Yep, yep. People with money. The NIL people with money. The, <laughs> the people the- who fund the NIL collectives. Now, I think it's important to get something straight um, before we continue forward. Technically, and I'm using the word technically again to cover myself. Technically, NIL collectives have no interaction with the current staff, right? They are seen as a completely outside organization that is separate from the coaches, the coaches, this and that, whatever. They're seen as completely separate. Um, and they technically, right, have no interactions. Now, that is all good and true on paper. And so what Nick Saban is doing right now, what he was doing in that thing was telling these Alabama supporters, hey, look what everyone else is doing, right? You got boosters at AM that are funneling money to the football team. No, I don't want to say funneling money to the football team because that's very accusatory. But their NIL collective, which, again, technically is separate from this university, separate from the football team, separate from the athletic department. You have these people that are raising money and going the extra mile to provide NIL opportunities for these recruits. He's not saying that, oh, AM did it the wrong way. We're doing it the right way. He's saying, look at what AM did. Look at their result. And if we want to keep up with the Joneses, we need to keep up with money. And by we, I mean you, Alabama supporters and boosters. You need to show, open your pockets, um, open the checkbooks, and start giving out NIL opportunities, right? That's what he was saying. Now, I can understand why Jimbo and, to a lesser extent, Deion Sanders at Jackson State were so agitated with the things that Saban said. But if you listen to the entire recording, I want to emphasize that one more time. If you listen to the entire recording, you will see that Nick Saban did not make a single accusatory statement. He wasn't saying that they went out and they did it the wrong way, that they cheated. No, he's saying they bought their class. Because what did the NIL collective do? They bought the players. They gave them money. Now, it wasn't in direct um, conjunction, right, with the athletic department. It's technically separate. Now, to the extent that you and I believe that statement to be true is a different matter altogether. But technically, that is what happened on paper and in the eyes of the NCAA and and in all these legalese, that is what happened. No interaction. So when Jimbo goes up there and starts to complain and feel agitated, let's remind everyone, Jimbo Fisher called an impromptu press conference out of nowhere. This was not scheduled. He literally called a press conference to go in there and talk bad about Nick Saban and to retaliate to this. He thought he was slighted. This gives me very big brother, little brother situation, right? Big brother says something to the little brother. Little brother gets mad. Little brother goes and complains to mom. And the little brother looks like he's the crazy one because he's overly emotional. He's reacting emotionally while the older sibling goes, oh, I'm sorry that you took that that way. That wasn't my intention. I apologize. That's literally what happened, right? They asked Jimbo Fisher, have you talked to Nick Saban, this and that? He said, he has called me and I did not answer. That relationship is done. He he like is going super Saiyan, is nuking the relationship, burning a bridge, all of that stuff with Nick Saban, right? Like that's the situation. When they asked Deion Sanders, did have you talked to Nick Saban? He said, he called me, but he started, he said this in public. He needs to apologize in public and not try to go through back channels privately to talk to me personally, right? I think that 
a, I, I think that um, Jimbo and Dion to a much lesser extent than Jimbo because Dion didn't call a press conference out of nowhere uh, and, and just completely nuke Saban. Um, I think that those those guys were personally offended. This is something that usually it's been like, oh, it's all business. It's not personal. It became personal to them. But I also think that Nick Saban really didn't say anything wrong. He was just pointing out something that was happening, and he was using that as a way to draw in the money from his own recruiter, from his own uh, pool of NIL money, like his boosters and his his uh, supporters, the Alabama boosters supporters. I think that if Nick Saban could have had the money that he had at A&M, he would be very happy and he wouldn't have said anything at all. But clearly he does not, and he wants to be able to keep up for that competitive advantage. I think it's very important to say, and I'll pass it back to you, Borba. I know I've been rambling for a bit, but I think it's very important that I close on this. Nick Saban went on to a Sirius XM radio station later on the next day and publicly said, I apologize to Dion, I apologize to Jimbo, to Jackson State, to Texas A&M for if people, if he said, if people implied that I thought they were cheating, and he explained exactly what I just said. That he wasn't doing that. He was talking to his supporters, blah, blah, blah. And I think it's important that he ends with another very famous phrase that he said before. He said stuff, something, and again, I'm not quoting, I'm paraphrasing. He said stuff along the lines of, you know, there's no, we need unified guidelines, all the stuff that we've been saying, Borb, about NIL. And he ended it with, and this is what I will quote. He said, is this what we want football to be? Now, Borba, the other times that Nick Saban has said the phrase, is this what we want football to be? He revolutionizes offense to go up-tempo. He revolutionized the way that people run um, uh, play actions and screen plays. He revolutionized recruiting. And he dominated in all of them, and he won at all of them. The man is the greatest college football coach of all time, or as Jimbo puts it, the czar of football, for a reason. He is able to adapt and he is able to do that adaptation better than anyone else has. So this to me was a warning shot from Saban. The interview that afterwards at the end of the apology was a warning shot saying, look, we can play this NIL game, but I will kick your behind in that too if you really want to. When Nick Saban says, is this what we want football to be? You better listen and you better be scared because now Saban is going to turn it on, turn on the Jets and try to out NIL everybody. Um, in this wild, wild west of NIL that we currently have. Yeah, well, well put. Um, <clears throat> honestly, all I have to add really is that I think Jimbo made the block hot by coming back at Nick Saban and being like, you know what? Look For what real? He like he's making the block hot and now everybody, it's like the NIL regulations are about to happen. I don't know what they are, but they're going to happen. There, there was he an went, announcement. He went to the feds and complained to the feds that he got robbed. But what happened? The entire operation is now in the light of the feds. What are you doing, Jimbo? There's always been this unspoken code that coaches don't rat out other coaches. And even when like people are trying to call them out in the media, they can do like the James, um, the James Franklin that he does sometimes. He doesn't refer to, you know, like an Ohio State or or he doesn't refer to like maybe a Pittsburgh in recruiting. He'll say, oh, you know, that school out west or you know, um, oh, another institution that's we we compete with on a basis, but he'll never explicitly name people because, like you said, it makes the block hot. And here comes in Jimbo acting like my favorite part of the whole thing was Jimbo saying that he was an honest man and he he was learn he learned he he learned more that he uses in his day to day coaching life from guys like um, Bobby Bowden and not Nick Saban. 
And I find it insanely hilarious because the reason that Nick, this is now me, Sergio, speculating and not talking about Saban, but the reason that AM got that number one class, hey, newsflash, it's because they cheated. And hey, newsflash, everyone cheats in college football. Like, this is not some hidden secret. You just can't openly say it. He's like, he does things the wrong way. Yeah, Jimbo, how do you, who do you think taught you how to do things the wrong way? <laughs> like, you're the one doing it. And we have it. I know you and I have it on good authority, and I won't say names, won't give out sources and stuff, but you and I have had our eyes on certain documents that have shown different paying of players out at Texas A&M. So we're not going to go out there and speculate on things that we actually know is true. Like, let's let's be real here. Let's be honest. Like, you can drop the facade, Jimbo, of this I'm the angry holistic college football coach you can you can leave that to Dabo. there's a reason everyone dunks on him and doesn't believe him on these things you can leave that to him okay you don't have to be like that all of this to go eight and four like really dude come on are you serious you don't have a quarterback okay you don't have a quarterback and Siri was so enamored with me saying are you serious that it started working so i apologize if you guys heard that he's a victim um he he oh get out of here jimbo fisher's a victim are you kidding me no one's a victim in this whole situation. Oh my god! I don't feel bad for either of these guys. Um, I, if no, I felt bad for anyone, it'd be Deion Sanders, uh, just because he's trying to revolutionize the HBCU football. And was it interesting that he all of a sudden got the number one recruit to flip on signing day? Yes. Was NIL involved? I don't know. They said no. People allege that Barstool bought Travis Hunter for Jackson State because Dion works with or for Barstool. I don't really know his relation, but he is a part of Barstool. Listen, but if there was a victim, it'd have to be him. I don't. It's not Uncle Nick or Jimbo. These guys. I, these guys. Can I say something? Fine. Yeah, go ahead. All right, and people may not like this take. Uh, I've expressed it to my close friends, and they are not fans of this take, although they understand where I, where I'm coming from. I really don't think Deion Sanders is that mad. I really don't think that Deion Sanders is very much. I think I think this outrage from Deion Sanders is very performative. And mm. I think it's because Deion Sanders has always in his entire career looked out for Deion Sanders. And even when now he's coaching at JSU, he's not he's not really looking out for the entirety of HBCU football. He's looking out for Jackson State because Jackson State is Deion Sanders at the moment. I can almost, in in my opinion, in my personal opinion, I believe that Deion Sanders, when he is offered a top-level college football job, will leave Jackson State to go take that job. And I believe that, I also believe, simultaneously, that he truly does care about Jackson State and about HBCU football. I really believe that. Because what I see this as for him is a stepping stone job. But he could have gotten a stepping stone job at any other school. He chose to do that at Jackson State. He chose to bring attention to an HBCU. He chose to be able to make sure to marry Deion Sanders and Jackson State in terms of the court of public public opinion. And I respect that. I commend him for that. And honestly, I hope I'm wrong. I hope he stays there for his entire career and he brings up HBCU football to a level where they can be able to compete for FCS title national title games. And a school like JSU is on par with a school like North Dakota State, Eastern Washington, um, Youngstown State in terms of prominent uh, FCS college football programs. I really do. I hope so. I just think that Deion Sanders has showed us that he cares about Deion Sanders. If he really cared about JSU completely, then I don't think he would have 
put so much pressure on having to maintain his barstool stuff. I think that he is very smart and I think that he is using his pools with barstool and with other um, NIL collectives and such to be able to give those um, black students and black athletes uh, money. That is a good thing because they deserve it and, and they have earned it. I just think that Deion Sanders eventually will be moving on and will be going up higher. And I think that overall it's, it's, he, he's doing this. Yes. It looks good that he's going out and he's defending. And I truly believe that he cares, but I also think that in his mind, he goes, well, I can go out here and I can play. It's very easy to go out and preach the good, right? It's very simple to do that. It's very easy to go ahead and get an easy dunk on Nick Saban when he, in terms of PR completely messes up, which is a rarity for him. He doesn't usually mess up in terms of PR. So it's very easy to do that. I, I just don't think that that it's um, I don't really think I would call him a victim here. I think he's using this opportunity to bring awareness to JSU, to bring awareness to himself and to to show that he is more of a player's coach, which in this day and age is something that a major program will be looking for. Um, and then it increases chances of, of, you know, moving up the coaching, the proverbial coaching ladder, in my opinion. Right. So. Follow up question about Nicholas Saban. How much do you think Jimbo and Dion, to your point, and the rest of the college football world are kind of just soaking in this moment because it's, like you said, a Nick Saban mess up, which we rarely get? Because I have an interesting quote from Paul Feinbaum, um, who is an avid Nick Saban worshiper, if you will. Um, let me let me let me pause. He's he is a journalist in the South who does like Nick Saban. But he has in his – I cannot believe I'm defending Paul Feinbaum. But in the past, <laughs> he has been very critical of Saban when it is appropriate to be critical of right. Saban. I, I truly believe him to be very much a a pretty good yeah. – most of the time an unbiased journalist. Um, I just I, think that he – like I'm going to stop there. I, I, right. I like to no, talk no, no, about Paul. It's funny. Um, <laughs> Paul was on a show with Greg McElroy and Cole Klubik, Klubik and says – I've seen more criticism of Nick Saban in the last five days than I have in the last 15 years. I think it has been something that eat, that's eating away at him. He knows whether he admits whether he admits it, it was a mistake, it was inarticulate, or, or an unforced error. He knows what he did last Wednesday night in Birmingham, blew up on him. When you're a professional, just like Coach Saban is, that drives you crazy. And so I think that the college football world and specifically Jimbo who Jimbo did take it very personally. You don't schedule a impromptu conference just to like Jimbo dropped a diss track. Like (laughs) he just came up, came up shooting. Um, Dion didn't really drop a diss track, but he, he also made his points about whatever he got. He said what he needed to say, but I think part of the college football world was a little happy that it was Nick Saban is the one that kind of <laughs> draw, drew attention to the block. They, it was a moment for everybody to criticize Nick Saban because we don't get those very often. Do you, do you think that's true or am I reading too much into this? I agree. I think that has something to do with it. I just disagree with the – I disagree with the fact that you said Nick Saban was the one who made the block hot. I think it was Jimbo. I don't. Oh, yeah. I think Saban was just saying things to his – that like Saban was doing what every single coach does. Every coach goes up in front of boosters. Every single coach goes up in front of the people that fund the program. And he says, Hey guys, look, we're doing a great job. We're improving every year. We're doing great, but we need your help. This school, school X, excuse me, school X has this much money. School Y has this much money. We need to be school Z that outspends those two people, those two schools to be better. They say this with everything. Now it may be that it got a little personal because the animosity. 
The name dropping is kind of what the block was simmering after the name dropping. Jimbo kicked the fire over. He he spread the fire. He threw the gasoline on it. But Nick kind but of the thing is, I don't I don't think it was a personal thing, though. Like, I feel like Jimbo thinks this was personal because he said, like, oh, when he doesn't get his way, he cries like a baby kind of thing. No, I think it was just Alabama was the second best recruit te- team in recruiting. A&M was one. What's the only school that he can tell the boosters, hey, we need to be better than that school. When you're when you're number one for so long and you drop to number two and you have this in a, in a uh, this feeling of I have to be number one. The only school that you can list as an example of they're better than me is the school that's number one. It just happens to be Texas A&M. Now, the fact that it's Jimbo Fisher, I think the reason I, I, I put more blame on Jimbo Fisher for making the block hot is because Jimbo Fisher's the one who went out and called an impromptu press conference and literally for about 20 minutes just went and dunked on Saban. Like, I think Saban comes out looking better in this situation in the long haul. I think in six months after Alabama gives A&M the just biggest beatdown that they've seen in the past decade. The business. Because we know that's going to happen, guys. We know that's going to happen because this isn't an X is an O conversation, but do you know who's playing quarterback at A&M? I don't know who's playing quarterback at A&M. That's besides the point. Or noodle arm Hayes King, so... (laughs) There you go. Oh my gosh, I'm so intimidated by a, a defense that's probably going to send four guys to the league next year. Really? Like, come on. So I, that's what I think. I, I I put more of the blame on, on Jimbo Fisher than I do Nick Saban, but I do think that the way that Nick Saban said those things, agreed, is an unforced error. It, it opened the door slightly. Jimbo's the kind of guy, you give him an inch, he takes a mile. And Saban, in a rare moment, gave him an inch, and Jimbo took a mile. I think Jimbo looks worse in the long run, but... I agree. I think that people are harping on this because it's like, oh my God, Nick Saban messed up. Nick Saban messed up. And Nick Saban doesn't mess up. So, yeah. Well, Jimbo, I would be, I would be more scared about Nick Saban uttering the phrase, is this what we want football to be than anything else that has happened in this past week? Well, yeah, that, that's a terrifying, that's just me. Someone who paid attention to college football for the past decade. That's a terrible, that's a terrifying phrase just because one, he can easily and has easily dominated recruiting. And two, has recently started dominating the transfer portal for for shits and gigs, um, just because. Yeah, and he got the with- he got the running back out of Georgia Tech that it was a former five star. Everyone he, they got him, and they were like, "Oh, cool!" So they're going to win another national championship. They, awesome, got Georgia, awesome they got Georgia's best receiver. Like, like he got Georgia's best receiver. He Nick Saban, uh, hot take. He's good at his job. Hot take. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. A hot, hot take, take indeed. Um, before, before we move on, is there anything else you'd like to add about the Knicks and Jimbo saga? Uh, I feel like we covered it all. I think Jimbo, the thing is, is everybody's mad at Jim. There's, there's one reason to be upset with Jimbo or like what Jimbo did was wrong. And it was a press conference disrespecting Nick Saban like that. Um, because what Jimbo, we all know that he, there was NIL being tossed around, like allegedly sure. Um, but you don't go from having two, two, one, five star to having eight all of a sudden. Like the, your eight and four year was not that inspiring, Jimbo. I hate to break it to you. Um, Do you remember I did this on Friday when I finished work? This reminded me, and this is going to be a plug for a really good YouTube series. It's called Foul Play. It was produced by SB Nation. Um, mm-hmm. It's a Stephen Godfrey um, production thing. I love Stephen Godfrey. He's a split zone duo now. But um, he produces video for SB Nation in like 2015 tw- or 2017. And basically it's um, – do you remember the Laramie Tunsil 
weed video on draft night. I remember it very well as a Dolphins fan because we are literally we are literally still reaping the benefits of that happening. But alas, this isn't a Dolphins pod. But when that happened and Laramie Tunsil basically came out and said, yeah, I received money from my coaching staff and the athletic department and stuff to play at Ole Miss and it launched the investigation. Do you remember that 2013 um, Ole Miss recruiting class that Hugh Freeze dominated? He got Tunsil. He got Laquan Treadwell. He got Robert Nikodici. He got a whole bunch of other guys that it was like, why does Ole Miss have the number one recruiting class in the country? This is weird. They won seven games last year. They won eight, whatever it was. This is strange. I feel like in a bunch of years when we when NIL becomes a bit more um, transparent, I should say, I feel like we're going to get a documentary talking about how did Texas A&M land the number one recruiting class yeah, in the country yeah. after going eight and four. That, they haven't even made a conference championship game. They haven't even won a division. So, like, it, am I really won, that? They won, like, a championship since the 30s, so – Exactly. Right. So it's like I know you're reveling in this Texas fan. Um, <laughs> I, I'm just but, like, but that's Jimbo, my thing. Jimbo overreacted. Like, was it cool to be called oh, out? Yeah. Probably not. I mean, I, I don't ever want to be called out for anything, but he didn't do anything wrong is the thing. Like Jimbo should have just said, I recruited within the rules that were in place and left it at that. Well, well, he said one of the things he said was, I feel very insulted or whatever the phrase was that it insinuated that we broke any and he made he was specific when he said it because he said it twice he said we didn't break any state laws we didn't yeah. break any state laws i he, i think he knows that he towed the line between what is acceptable and what is considered um basically pay to play um i think the only thing that like he he operated and honestly good for him because he took advantage of the lack of rules and it's this much better to pro- ask for forgiveness than to ask for permission. This could know? be a program changing. I don't class. blame him. I don't. We, we were just bagging on A and M, but this could be a program changing class for them. And there was no rules broken. And mm-hmm. does it suck to be called out? Yeah. Did he overreact? Yeah. Will Nick Saban be talking to the media in that much? Um, will Nick Saban get another chance with the media like that? Maybe not. Um, he well, might have. Well, the thing is, it, that's and that's the misconception though. It wasn't with the media. We have to remember that he was talking to Alabama boosters. The media was there, and that's why he mentioned the whole, you know, there's no rules situation, whatever, because everything that comes out of Nick Saban's mouth is planned and and practiced and is for a reason. But his intention wasn't to just kind of dunk on, you know, basically call out Jimbo and to a lesser extent Dion and stuff. It was, we need more money because A&M is doing this. And we need to be better than AM in recruiting because they just beat us in recruiting. Also, media, since you're here, take note of what I'm saying about the whole process of, of NIL. You know what I mean? Yeah. He might he might get like a little phrasing pep talk before his yeah, next interview. Right. Like uh, maybe maybe instead of saying exactly. it this way, say it this way. But another right. thing that before, Nick Saban- we, before we go on, the last thing, okay. I, the, the last thing. October third, the year of our Lord, 2022. At 3.30 Eastern on CBS, it'll be the da 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 da, da game of the week. I can almost guarantee it. A&M travels to Tuscaloosa to play Alabama. That is appointment television. No one bother me on that day in that time frame. If there's a Gator game at the same time, which there won't be because it's 3.30, but if there's a game at 4 or whatever, honestly, the Gator game might get a second screen that day. Wow. I'm, I might be all eyes on a and Bama. The Gators would because get the laptop. They, they might get the iPad treatment. It, for okay. me, it goes TV, iPad, then laptop. That's the okay. hierarchy because it's easier to navigate the iPad. 
Um, but they definitely might move to the laptop uh, to the iPad that day. I won't. I won't lie. I October eighth. Keep after, it in mind, ladies and gentlemen. After all this beef, um, the spread did go up to plus sixteen and a half for Alabama. And, and honestly, I, I would hammer. That. I'll take. I'll take Bama minus sixteen and a half. <laughs> I will. What's I will that? Probably that. minus one thirty. Minus one twenty-five. I don't. Oh, I don't yeah. remember what the odds were, but I will slam that because I think it'll be. And they're also coming off of Jimbo was the first coach, um, first former Saban assistant to beat him ever to last him. year. Yeah, and so that plus this equals an angry Nick Saban. Give uh, me, give me uh, a Bama minus sixteen and a half parlay with Bryce Young throwing more than two hundred fifty yards. Parlayed yeah. with the defense getting three turnovers or more. Like it's, I it's going to be a bloodbath. It's going to be a bloodbath. Alabama is going to be coming off that Texas loss. I'm just saying. Oh my god! <laughs> Get out of here! Just Get out of here! But Alabama will be happy because, like your Heisman winner and parlayer Bryce Young, um, he was recently named the best quarterback in college football according to 24/7 Sports. Um, they dropped their top 20. Um, I'll give it to you real quick. It was Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Caleb Williams from USC, Dylan Gabriel from Oklahoma, which was surprising, KJ Jefferson, Hendon Hooker, Grayson McCall from Coastal Carolina, Spencer Rattler from South Carolina, Devin Leary from North Carolina State, Tyler Van Dyke from Miami, Sam Hartman, Wake Forest, Brennan, Brennan Armstrong, Virginia, Cam Rising, Utah, Will Rogers, Will Levis, Aiden O'Connell, Malik Cunningham, Quinn Ewers, and Jackson Dart, and Anthony Richardson at the 20 spot. Um, looking at this list, you have it in front of you, correct? Um, I do have it in front of me. Okay. Who, who do you think is too high? Because I have at least two candidates. Okay. Give me, give me yours. Okay. Actually, actually, let me, let me ask a question before we do this. Brad Crawford. Is he ranking? Do you think he's ranked? Cause we can't ask him. Do you think he, unless you want to come on the show, Brad Crawford, we'd love to have you. Come on, bro. Do you think that he is ranking these quarterbacks in terms of the 20 best college football quarterbacks of next year or the 20 best NFL prospects? Because there's a massive difference between if I think that a player is going to be good in the NFL versus a good college quarterback. Troy Smith won the Heisman, was an incredible quarterback at, um, at Ohio State when he won the Heisman that year. He ended up going in the sixth round to Baltimore. I don't think he ever made a roster. Or I don't think he ever started an NFL game. I think he played some. I just don't think he started. So it, okay. I think it's a big Okay, I'll, I'll, read, I'll read you his criteria because it was written in an article form as well. Um, okay, perfect. Projecting college football's 25 best quarterbacks entering the 2022 season. So let's see. Based on a variety of factors, including last season's, last season's numbers, what we're hearing from insiders after spring practice, NFL draft buzz and projecting 2022 projection production, excuse me, among their peers. So it's a compilation of last year numbers, okay. NFL status, and what the peers are saying and what the, the inside info is, which I feel like makes All it right, more. So it's a combo. It's this a makes, combo. It, makes it more interesting because <laughs> this um, same, same company, 24 seven sports, like literally a week ago, two weeks ago named Will Levis, like, QB one in the next upcoming NFL draft. And this list has him as QB 15. <laughs> like, yeah, no, I agree. Different insiders. Um, I will say Dylan Gabriel at four is really high to me. I don't know why. I think while he was great at UCF, I'm just, I'm really high on Hendon hooker. I'm not going to lie to you. The, the Tennessee quarterback, I'm very high on him, which I know it pains you to have to compliment Tennessee as one of your lesser rivals. But, um, 
I feel like I that's... mean, is it a rivalry? Is it really a rivalry when they don't win a game? Is it? I mean, it's a rivalry to it's them. Been a while. <laughs> they yeah, they still well, the rivalry, okay. but I don't know. That seems that seems high. Um, I'm I'm also pleasantly surprised at the respect that Grayson McCall is getting at Coastal Carolina. Um, I he seems like a, a twenty guy to me. Um, mm-hmm. And then I'll do it for you because I know you want to say it, but it's going to come off as homerism. I think Anthony Richardson at twenty is very low. Um, talk to him. Talk, talk to him. Say it again. I think he should be. Let's go. I'd put him at nine or ten. Um, above, no, I, think Sam, I think that's too high. Above Sam Hartman. I don't know. Also, Cam Rising from Utah at thirteen is low to me. I think he kind of showed out last year. But yeah, okay. No, just looking at this list, it's kind of like. I feel like you could kind of like swap like because it's broken into two columns on their Instagram post. You could like shift a couple people to one side, like the left column. I don't I don't agree with the left column at all. I think they got the first three right, which the first three, in my opinion, which was Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Caleb Williams. That's one A, one B, one C, whatever. So, order you yeah, have. to me, to me, those are the top three. I have them in a different order. Uh, I, I have Caleb Williams one based yeah. on. Based on projection, there were some things he didn't do well last year. Held the ball too long sometimes. Um, sometimes it worked for Oklahoma. Sometimes it didn't work for Oklahoma. Um, I think his, he's got a cannon of an arm. Uh, yeah. I think he's very accurate, mobile in the pocket, can can read, can go through progressions. I think he's going to be a really good NFL quarterback, and I think that he is going to be able, staying with the same offensive system, he's going to only going to grow. I think by the end of next year, he will be the best quarterback in college football. Obviously, he's not draft eligible next year, but I think he will be the best one. After that, I would then put C.J. Stroud. I think combined with what I saw from him at the end of last season, um, I think it's great. And then I think Bryce Young at three. I have genuine concerns about Bryce Young um, in terms of being like a surefire NFL quarterback. Um, and I think he struggled at times when I don't think he should have. Going back to that maybe Texas A&M game, I think he struggled in that game on the road. Uh, he struggled against Florida um, at the beginning of the game defensively when we had that close game uh, at the beginning of the year. Um, I think there's a blueprint to disrupt him is, is what I'm getting at. And so for that reason, but obviously he's an immense talent. So for that reason, I put him at third in terms of those top three. But it really, if we're going to tear it out, those three are definitely, um, it, for me personally, it's Caleb Williams, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young. And then there's a drop off to like the next tier. Um, but I agree with you. Those are the top three for me. Um, right. Going to your original question about who you thought was like too high. Um, Dylan Gabriel, I think, is a bit too high. I don't. I wouldn't put him as the top quarterback after that top tier. But I definitely would put him in the second tier. To me, he's definitely top 10. Definitely yeah. top 7, in my opinion. Um, KJ Jefferson at 5 is a very underrated. It's kind of weird to call him underrated when he's listed as the 5th best quarterback in the country. But underrated in terms of people aren't talking about him. Remember, this was a guy that had was... There were rumors that um, Sam Pittman was going to bring in a transfer quarterback um, before the season started, and he said, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to ride with K.J. Jefferson. It paid off. He Mm. did well. I just don't see him in terms of talent as being one of the better ones. I think he fits Arkansas' system really well. I don't necessarily think he's a uh, transcendent talent. Um, I think Spencer Rattler, for all that he was um, kind of dunked on last year, uh, and mistakes that he made, I think he's a bit too low here, sitting at number eight. I think he's better than Hen- uh, Hendon Hooker. I think he's better than Grayson McCall. Uh, I think he's better than KJ Jefferson. I think he's better than Dylan Gabriel. Um, so I guess by default, I would put him up at four. But again, it's a big drop off from three to four after those top guys. Um, yeah. So that just in that top ten, that's kind of how I feel. Devin Leary's a bit too high for me. 
I but, like Tyler Van Dyke. I think he's in the perfect spot. To Devin Leary's coach, he's QB one. So, I mean, well, I mean, <laughs> acor- yeah. according to according to my mom, I'm the best 26 year old on earth. So, you know, <laughs> true. I will say, I think Spencer Rattler kind of caught a case of the media told us this, and the fans told us, Twitter told us this. Um, Twitter told us Spencer Rattler was trash, and so I think everybody kind of has the mindset that Spencer Rattler was trash when he's in reality. He had two really bad games, and they were both against Texas. Shout out us. Um, we didn't win either mm-hmm. of them, but um, but that's really what gave way to Caleb Williams's emergence was his struggles yeah. against Texas, and Caleb Williams bringing him back. If he has even a decent half against Texas, we we probably don't even hear about Caleb Williams yet. Is the is a crazy part. Um, yeah. So that's Spencer, true. Spencer Rattler, at eight, I feel like I agree. Um, you could slide him up to even higher. Um, I think Cam Rising deserves a little more respect. Um, he was, I agree. He was going throw for throw with CJ Stroud in the Rose Bowl mm-hmm. or at the Rose Bowl. I would swap him with Devin Leary and not just because yeah. we were just talking about him, but like, seriously, I, I would swap him with Devin Leary. I think Hendon Hooker is a bit too high. I know you just said you liked him, but yeah. if Anthony Richardson is sitting at 20 and Hendon Hooker is sitting at six, there's a disconnect here. We we got to figure this out. <laughs> like, we yeah. we got to figure out because – I'm gonna. I'm going to watch them go head to head, and I'm going to watch Anthony Richardson play better than him. I'm going to watch Florida beat Tennessee. I don't understand why we have Hendon Hooker that much higher than a guy yeah. like Anthony Richardson, who could potentially be the best quarterback in the conference um, in a couple of years after okay. Bryce Young leaves. And in a couple of years, I'm just saying. But, I almost, I almost fainted. Um, good thing. No, no. I'm a ho- I'm a homer, but I'm not dumb. Okay. Good thing, almost, good thing I held my breath because I was about faint. Um, I will address uh, <laughs> that. 18 through 20, ignoring Anthony Richardson, um, just slide him up to say 18, whatever. Quinn's got to be the last guy on on this list. He he has zero career passing attempts. He has three handoffs. Total. <laughs> he has. He, can I just say? Can I just say that the 18, 19, 20 at the end of this list, I think, is perfectly designed for the Tailgaters podcast because you have Quinn Ewers at 18, quarterback for Texas, Jackson Dart at 19, a guy that we both really like, and we're hoping. Um, we're hoping does good things and big things with Lane at Ole Miss. We we both were very high on him, and then Anthony Richardson at twenty. It's like they, it, it's like um, Brad Crawford was like, you know what? As I'm finishing this top twenty list, let me go ahead and throw Kevin and Sergio Bone over here. Yeah, let me give them is, these three guys there right at the end. Of the this list. is the Tailgaters package, the Tailgaters exclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, those are our three guys right there. Like uh, those are I our was, guys. I was ta- I was saying Jackson Dart was going to be he was going to lead USC to prominence was what I was telling mm-hmm. you a while back. And then you all did. of a sudden, all of a sudden things changed, you know, um, just like they do in college football. How crazy is it that USC had a top, probably top 15 quarterback uh, in the country on their squad and they upgraded him to like arguably the best quarterback in the country? How crazy yeah, they, is that? They went from, first of all, speaking of, mm-hmm. Keaton Slovis not being on this list is an utter disgrace. Um, let me, his, the article has top 25, which 25 was Peyton Thorne. 24 is DJ Uyungle, which I am fully out on DJ. I'm sorry. I, I just don't think it's happening. Um, moving wow. To you know what's crazy? Moving I completely forgot about DJ. Moving to Titans. Yeah. I don't care about him anymore. I mean, that's wow. Weird. I just don't. I'm out. I'm out on him. <laughs> he's had to, a lot of chances, and mm-hmm. I think he's gotten worse. And we'll see this year. He has Cade Klubnik from Westlake High School chomping at the bit. Dabo already named DJ. And he's, he's good. Yeah. And Dab- I think it's a Trevor Lawrence situation. I think... DJ's gonna get he's gonna be the Kelly Bryant, unfortunately. He is. He is. And then we got Phil Djokovic. Um Phil Djokovic. Number 20. My guy. I love him. 
from Boston College. Okay, so uh, here's the thing. Can I, let me pause you because let me, because you got Brendan Armstrong at 12, Sam Hartman at 11, Will uh, Will Aiden O'Connell at 16. Those I would take Jakovic over all of those guys. I'd take him over Devin Leary. Like, yeah, I, I would, I would take him ab- a lot above a lot of other guys. So I find it crazy that he's outside yeah. of the top 20. Let, let's let's hear 20 and 21 before you start getting mm-hmm. mind blown because this blew my mind. Oh. Um, 2020 or 2022, that is the year we're in. 22 <laughs> is Keaton Slovis. Um, he ranked him as a sixth best quarterback in the ACC, which is crazy. Um, mm-hmm. Then 21 is Tulia Tagovailoa, number three out of the number three best quarterback in the Big Ten, which I okay. I'm not out on Tulia. I just feel like he's not that good. I just I think. He, he could be as, third. As someone who has as someone who has an emotional investment in the Tagovailoa family, oh um, I think he's good. I don't necessarily think he is. I don't think he's better than his brother. Um, and I think that the way that Mike Lockley is kind of building that program at Maryland, he's mm. very much a. I'm just going to get the best talent I possibly can, and as a result, he's kind of got this like mixed bag of a team where he's got really good wide receivers. He's got Talia, who's a very good quarterback, um, but the line is kind of a little like, you know, and defensively yeah. it's some at, at, at times maybe he has a really good edge, but he's just got a horrible secondary. So like as much as they're strong in some aspects, they're re- they're not a complete team. Um, and I think that that kind of brings down Talia's reputation and expectations. So I, I agree with you. I, w- I wouldn't really rank him in the top 25, um, but definitely a, I think he's definitely a top half quarterback in the Big Ten. I don't know if he's the third best one in the Big Ten. I'd have to see. Well, he's the thir- third best in the article is what it, what I'm gathering. Because okay, it says yeah. Anthony. It says Anthony's eight of eight, which he is unfortunately the last ranked SEC quarterback. Um, when you think about it, he is the eighth ranked. Is he really? Bryce Young. Let me look. Bryce Young, KJ, Hendon Hooker, Spencer Rattler. That's four in the top ten. Rogers, um, Rogers, Levis, Ole Miss, or Dart and Richardson. Yeah, so he's he's the sixth best quarterback. Um, in there, but you know what school I don't see? I don't see Georgia in the top twenty. Well, I mean Stetson Bennett. I mean, well, they they did just win a national championship with a literal walk on. So, I, yeah, I, Stetson Bennett unfortunately did not crack the top twenty five. Um, no. I honestly, I feel like this year is going to be the year of because you t- look at looking at honestly twenty one through twenty five. Mm-hmm. Besides Keon Slovis, because I'm still high on him and Phil. Like DJ and Peyton Thorne aren't doing it for me. They're not moving the needle. Uh, no, I think they're, they're not fine. either. They're fine. Tully but... as well in terms of moving the needle. No, he's not moving the needle for me. But uh, yeah. that's crazy. That's crazy that a quarterback you're really high on, Keaton Slovis, and a quarterback I'm really high on, Phil Djokovic, are like the two guys that are like right on the outside. That's really, it's really yeah, crazy. They're outside looking in. Um, when you think about it, USC will technically have had three of the top twenty-five quarterbacks within this past year. Because um, Caleb, Jackson, and Keaton. Caleb, Jackson, and Keaton. Yeah, you are correct. And, and they couldn't do anything with two of them. So shout out Caleb Williams. <laughs> Caleb Williams shout scared away. He scared them away. Um, shout out to Malik Cunningham at Louisville. I don't think he's the next Lamar Jackson, as some people have tabbed him. No. But Guys, I, this is going to be a senior year. It's it's not going to happen. I'm sorry. About, and I know we said that Malik? about um, Juwan. What did you say? They they said about Jawan Pass, um, and he's at some small school now. Are you out on Malik, or are you just not you just not feeling the hype? 
I'm just not feeling the hype. I'm not out on Malik. I think he's a good quarterback. He's a good college quarterback. I'm, I'm just out on the hype. I just don't think he's going to take a, oh my God, who's the name of, what's his name? He just got drafted. He played for Pitt. He just got drafted by the by the Steelers. Kenny Pickett. I'm blanking. Kenny Pickett, thank you. I don't Kenny- think he's going to take a Kenny Pickett type league, especially because the system that's run at Louisville isn't doesn't really allow for him to take all those chances and stuff. They're, you know, they're spread out a bit more and, and stuff like that, the way college football is played nowadays. Uh, I just don't seem like I would take the four guys below him are or the three guys below him are Quinn Ewers, Jackson, Darden, Anthony Richardson. I'd take all three of those ahead of Malik Cunningham. I agree. Um, I think honestly, by the end of this year, um, not even being homers, but I think Quinn, Anthony, and Dart even maybe Dart. Well, Dart Dart's kind of concerning me, but Quinn and Anthony at least will be in the top ten. Um, I feel like that. I can I, see that based on based on these rankings. I can see that. Yeah. Um, Tyler Van Dyke in Miami is also drawing a lot of hype, and I'm really interested to see. Oh, I'm I'm hearing it. I'm he, down here. I'm hearing he, it. He's like literally for some people QB three in this next draft class behind uh, yeah. Young and uh, Stroud, which I think is interesting. And of course, we got Will Levis. I I I feel bad for Will Levis because I think that one report of him as QB one kind of like just put a lot of unnecessary pressure on him. And yeah, yes, he's athletic. Yes, he has an arm. He, he's he's what Daniel Jones wants to be in my opinion. I, I'm with <laughs> you, man. I'm, I like him a lot, but I just I hope that the expectations aren't too high and people don't get too disappointed. Um, I will say, closing out this segment here, Borba. Yeah. If you look at the comments, the top comment on the two, this two four seven Instagram post is from Saturday Down South. It says Bryce Young too low, which ha ha ha, so funny because he's the number one, number one on the list. But right below him, guy we talked about today, Deion Sanders commented the official verified Deion Sanders account said oh, what about yeah. us so oh, interesting your, your son's not, <laughs> son's not that good not yet he he's might a great be. dad though come on man i respect i, I respect that. he's on his lavar ball grind i respect it but i mean mm-hmm. i mean honestly though put him at 26 i don't care I, I would take i would take his son over dj when when you finish with more interceptions and touchdowns when you finish with more interceptions and touchdowns i'm out on you like say that say that to rookie Peyton Manning. <laughs> I would have been out on rookie Peyton Manning if I was <laughs> And that's why you don't run an NFL franchise. And you know what though? I feel like rookie rookie year of the NFL is different than your second year of getting a lot of playing time. <laughs> First year as a full-time starter. Yeah. So anything to add before we close off on this wonderful this wonderful Monday? Um hopefully you're uh, heat- I will say I will say as we as we sign off, Borba, I will say that the NCAA got away um got rid of the requirement that in order to play a conference championship game, you have to have divisions. Mm. So um I know that for a fact the Pac twelve and the Mountain West are going away with their divisions, and they are the two teams with the best uh winning percentage will be playing in the conference championship game, regardless of um, whatever their traditional division was. So it's not North versus South. And it will be implemented this coming year. Um, yeah, they said, I think they this said is starting now. Um, starting now, yeah. They're not holding back. That's three conferences now. The Big 12, Pac-12, and Mountain West. Or... The Big 12, that's right. The Big 12 does does that already, yeah. So What happens when you have 10 teams? Um, <laughs> what happens when you have Literally. Uh, so they got rid of it. So now that's going to happen. I anticipate this is the introduction to pod scheduling. 
Um, and Borba, uh, next week we or I don't know if it's next week, yeah, but our next, next episode for sure. Next, next week will we be potting? We will be potting. We will be potting. We, we will be coming up. Um, we will be coming on. We will each do. Um, we will be potting the SEC to start with because we know for a fact they will have sixteen teams, whether it be in a year, two years, three years, whenever it happens. Um, so we will be potting the SEC. The idea behind pods is that you are, at least in this case, 16 teams. You have four pods of four. You play the teams in your pod every single year. And then, so that's three games. You would expand your conference game to nine games instead of eight in the SEC. So we have three of those are the teams in your pod every single year. Obviously, you alternate home and away each year. Um, So that's five. uh, I'm sorry. That's six games left to schedule. So that means that you play one entire pod plus two teams. And excuse me, my phone is going off. I apologize. Um, so you play one entire pod. So that's four more games. So that is seven games. And then you play the other pod, the final remaining pod, mm-hmm. or one of the other pods, excuse me, you play against two of those teams. And then what you do is the following year, you then play a whole different other pod, the one that you didn't play. And then you play the two remaining teams of the other pot. So instead of how now, you know, you you could go all four years of your collegiate career and not play a team that's in your conference. So now you are able to play every single team in your conference, home and away, within your four years at school. And you will play every team in your conference at least once, home or away, um, every two years. So it's a way to be able to play the teams in your conference more often. And that's what a conference should be, right, Borba? You should be able to play those teams more often. That's the whole point that you're in a conference um, to be able to compete against each other. Play the competition. Sure. Play the competition. Um, so, All yes, right. next episode, probably next week, we will be potting um, on the pod. Potting on the pod. Um, potting on the pod. <laughs> there we go. Um, I'm Kevin Borba. He is Sergio Desbrea. And this is the Tailgater Podcast. We will see you guys next week. Make sure to like, subscribe, um, give us five stars, and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Recommend us to your mom, your dad, your friends. Who cares? Just recommend us. Thank you. Bye. For listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.